Hi guys and welcome to episode 4 of the first series of the Dorset Growth Hub podcast. In this episode we are talking to Sakanya Ayatakshi who is a senior academic at the Bournemouth University Business School. Sakanya is a strong believer in the power of enterprise in bringing about positive change and is also one of the founders of the BU Social Entrepreneurs Forum which is a collaborative space for like-minded individuals. In this episode, Sakanya talks about why sustainability should be embedded within the whole business, not just left to one department, and involve all team members to create a culture of social consciousness. We have launched this series publicly on the back of the great success of our audio conference Beyond 2020. All the episodes will be released over the coming weeks, and we hope our great guests can inspire and motivate you to adapt and pivot in your business. If you are looking for more support, head to our website dorsetgrowthhub.co.uk, register and our team of business growth consultants offer Dorset businesses 12 hours of fully funded business support through events, tailored one-to-one meetings and financial help. We really appreciate your support for this podcast so if you enjoy the episodes please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. So let's get into the episode and over to your host Rich Byrne. So welcome, Sakanya. Thank you. Welcome to the Beyond 2020 Audio Conference. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So can you just, for those that don't know you, do you want to just explain a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yes, of course. So I'm Sakanya, a senior academic at Bournemouth University Business School. I am what you call an enterprise educator, if entrepreneurship can be taught. (laughs) That's a question that I have. Uh, been asked a number of times in the last few years, uh, can, entre- can entrepreneurs be made or can they be bo- are, are they born? And that's the nature versus nurture debate that we like to reflect on in academia. I have been in academia at Bournemouth University for over eight years now, and enterprise development is my passion, is what I try to promote through my teaching and what I like to practice outside the university in supporting purpose-driven sustainable businesses because I strongly believe that there is a reason for business to exist beyond profit and there is a business logic to sustainability. And I suppose I'm leading into the conversation that we're going to have here, but that was, it was very important for me to uh, say that in order to uh, clarify that that's my ideology, that's kind of my philosophy as well towards businesses. Okay. So yeah, as you as you touched on the term sustainability, that's what this conversation today really is is focused around um, as part of the, the the wider conference we're doing over the course of the week. So from your perspective then, so from you as an individual or from an academic perspective or both, what, what does sustainability mean to you? I'm going to be very academic about it, if I may. If you remember the Brundtland Commission in 80s, when they defined sustainability as the development that meets the current needs without jeopardizing the ability of the future generations to meet their developmental needs, I think that embeds the business logic of sustainability really well in the definition. Of course, here we are talking about the environmental sustainability. We're talking about the ecological sustainability. We're talking perhaps about a transition to renewable energy and perhaps more mindful consumption and production. But we are also talking about the social impact and the economic impact. And I'm going to step back a little bit into history to reflect on this a little bit more, if I may. 
So from the neoclassical perspective, the Friedmanite position, Milton Friedman's perspective of the business of business is business, perhaps a little bit misunderstood, but what they were trying to say, Milton Friedman was saying, is that social welfare is not within the remit of a business. A business exists in order to maximize the value for the shareholders. And that's it. And that should be as long as they're legal and they're responsible, they're fulfilling their fiduciary responsibilities, that should be the mission and the goal of a business. But that thinking has evolved quite a lot. And I'm fascinated by an author that you may have heard of called John Garzima, who wrote a book called The Post-Crisis Consumerism, and there is a TED Talk titled The Same, who speaks about the last economic crisis that we saw back in 2007-8 as a result of the subprime mortgage crisis in America. And he talks about how that economic crisis has been almost a blessing in disguise in the sense that there has been a change in the consumer attitudes towards purchase. Consumers have definitely needed to have become more value-driven, but not just value-driven, but also values-driven. And in that period of between 2007 to 10, when we saw a vast number of small and medium enterprises disappear off our high streets and everywhere else, we have seen a re-emergence of what can be typically classified as socially focused businesses. But if we step back again in the 80s, we would have seen economist Edward Freeman talking more about the stakeholder engagement, where they're saying that it is not sufficient for business longevity to be focusing on only maximizing the shareholder value. You have to think about your wider impact on the wider group of stakeholders. And it is not just about altruism. This makes a very good business sense. It is about establishing your competitive advantage in the market. It is about enlightened self-interest, if I can use that word. So the stakeholder concept, once it took root and once people begin to understand it more, becoming more aware of it and recognizing the value of it, we have seen a rapid progression into businesses which can be classified more as socially focused businesses. But here, one thing is really important to clarify is that economic viability is the key. It's absolutely the key. You will be aware of the corporate social responsibility model. Sure. And the reason the corporate social responsibility model works so well for larger corporates and has worked in the last many years is that it is almost about philanthropic donation. It's an add-on to the wider operation, wider strategic direction of the business. But to my mind and in my humble opinion, I think CSR as an add-on does not work. The sustainability agenda has got to be embedded in the heart of the business. You have got to put purpose over profit. You have got to understand that the impact on your single bottom line is not enough to ensure the legacy that business leaders want to leave behind. Of course, when we talk about sustainability, we're talking about the greening of your credentials. We are talking about signing up to having renewable energy sources in your business. We are talking about reducing paper use. We are talking about making the process more sustainable. But we also need to think about the wider impact on the society and the people and the economy. That's really, really important. So you you touched on this, Sakanya, so purpose and, and profit. Hmm. 
So I guess in in these times that we're in, that's what I'm going to refer to the the COVID yeah. period. These times, that's my way of, of discussing it in a sort of soft way, I guess. I don't know. COVID always seems like quite an aggressive word. Yeah. So purpose and profit. So arguably profit being questioned yes. because of actually so many industries and sectors unable to fulfill some of those kind of profit projections. So does the impact of, of what we've gone through in the, in the past six, seven months, well, what impact has that made on sustainability? Has that moved that agenda up? Has it, has it become something actually, it's, it's something we, we're not able to focus on? Has it become a, from a marketer's perspective, something to really hone in on? I'm just interested That's to hear your That's a really, your really interesting question. And I'm again going to uh, try to unpick the word sustainability. So colloquially, we always use the word sustainability as in if you are working really hard, you may say that this sort of life is not sustainable. This life practice or this behavior is not sustainable. So what we are trying to say when we use the word sustainability colloquially is that an action or a behavior that has detriment to self or to the wider society in general or people in our stakeholder group. Now, if you extrapolate that to a business in the current context of the pandemic, you may then be right in thinking that when there is absolutely needs to be a, a eagle eye focus on survival, how can small and medium enterprises typically be focused on the sustainability agenda if we're talking about the greening mechanisms and changing the processes? Is that possible? But there is another perspective to, to adopt here. And the perspective is that sustainable behavior and sustainability the processes that encourage sustainability in a business behavior can increase the longevity and give you the competitive advantage. And nowhere, never before have we seen such a collective action against a challenge that humanity has faced before the pandemic. We have been beset with problems of climate change and aging population in the United Kingdom, uh, particularly plastic pollution, refugee crisis. We have had substance abuse and so many problems. And if you look at the UN Sustainable Developmental Goals of 2018, and if you look across all the 17 goals from wanting to achieve zero poverty to wanting to achieve gender equality to reducing inequality to having decent work and growth, to address those grand challenges through the business activities is possible. What that does is that attracts those niche audiences, that target audience, and makes you more marketable. That's my perspective. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples of businesses that I have seen that have come up in these times of COVID. And this was on BBC a few days ago. A young lady and a man from somewhere in London, they looked at the coffee grounds that were being sent to landfill. And they learned that landfill when you dump coffee grounds in landfill, then it generates a lot of methane, which leads to a lot of greenhouse gas emission. Of course. Really? I wasn't aware that. of that. Neither was I. No. And then they thought, right, now there is a home use of coffee grounds that people use that quite a lot in skincare. And they have started generating the skincare product range out of used coffee grounds. So we're now going back to that wow. question of our businesses going to aim for sustainability as a marketing gimmick or our businesses going to aim for sustainability because that's the only way to move forward. I think the world has changed. The attitudes sure. of consumers have changed. 
Businesses become sustainable because of a range of diverse reasons. Some are personal, some are external factors, and one of the dominant external factors is consumer purchase behavior. And if we see in the last 10 years, people are becoming very mindful about their consumption behavior. If you have 10 pounds and you have similar products at two brands, one which has a proven social impact or aims to have a potential social environmental impact and the other where the only intention is to gain profits, you would perhaps be more inclined to give money to the one with the wider stakeholder engagement. And this is what surveys and studies are finding, that two-thirds in the UK population, people are inclined to pay for products and services from businesses that have a sustainability agenda rooted in the in the sure. mission and the vision of the of the business sure well i actually first hand an example for myself so i buy uh, coffee pods nespresso right. coffee pod well i've got the machine this nespresso yeah. machine and recently uh, i know a friend of mine who's whose friend's got a, a company in sweden who who are doing this great coffee these little pods but everything around those pods is all uh, recyclable okay. and you can put it in compost bins but the coffee is so good so i, I so i bought some and it wasn't cheap, if I'm honest, if yeah. you compare it to buying a pack of coffee. And then I was in Lidl the other day, actually, and they were selling the pods. And I thought, oh, should I buy some? But I then checked the packaging and wasn't recyclable. Right. And, and so I have this conscious in my head now that I'm paying probably far more than I normally would for coffee. Exactly. But I feel bad if I would go back yeah. and then be chucking those things in my normal bin and not, you know. So it, it sort of ingrains, doesn't it, in, in your psyche. Exactly. And I think, that, I think that genuinely is a good thing. Absolutely. And I think once you become aware, you cannot go back to becoming ignorant again. No, once you, you understand can't, the I feel impact. Bad. Absolutely. And <laughs> this whole discussion that recently you may have heard David Attenborough talking about responsible capitalism, conscious capitalism. Capitalism is not necessarily evil in my perspective. It is what we have done with capitalism, all these corporate scandals that we have seen, the corporate greed and this intention of maximizing the value for shareholders how it has impacted the planet, the people, the society around. It has really changed. And I see that tremendously in the younger generation, my students quite a lot. They are so much more mindful than I was about, about their own consumption at their age. Sure. So if we, can we touch on that yes. then? That was a question I was going to ask yeah. you later on, actually. In, in terms of your students and, and that generation, and so... You know, for those that, that can't picture that student ages, we're talking sort of 18 to 25, are we? Yes, generally yeah, speaking? even younger than that often. So why do you say that? And and it's clear, actually, and we're seeing it, and I'm, and I'm sure there'll be you know a huge amount of statistics around it, yeah. that they are way more conscious and are more likely to be purchasing products and, and services that have that conscious social aspect to them. Why do you think that is? I think social media plays a very big role here much as we malign sure. social media for all its ills, but because they are able to share the information, they are more aware because they have access to knowledge. They are talking about what are the trends around the globe. So they are not reliant on individuals to tell them what is happening. They're not reliant on their tutors. They're also seeing examples of a huge shift in the mindset of people when they are setting up businesses. But this is also the generation when they were very young, they have, without realizing, they have lived through that economic recession back in 2007 and 8, and now they're in the midst of a pandemic. And they're firsthand 
seeing the impact that business can have on society and on our ecology. So say, for example, the the circular economy movement. There's a fantastic example of the embroidery barn at Dorchester run by a young lady called Rosie. I think they, I believe they won the Southern Sustainability Award a couple of years ago. Now, it's an embroidery barn. They create logos on merchandise and clothing for different brands and corporations. But they have embedded the principles of sustainability in their processes in such a way that they're talking about circularity and everything. And I'm going to digress a little bit before I come back to embroidery burn, but to talk about circularity. The circular economy concept is one that is saying that we need to decouple our economic activity from our use of finite resources. There is finite resources, natural resources on this planet. And to do that, we have got to make a transition to our use, to increased use of renewable resources. We have got to keep products in use for as long as possible, and we have got to cut out waste. And if you think about it, for a small business, it sounds like a very expensive, costly thing to engage in. But coming back to Embroidery Barn, the way they fulfill their sustainability ambitions and their sustainability plans is by using very high quality thread on the designs that they make, on the logos that they create. Therefore, those can be used for a far greater period of time. The machines that they use rely a lot on renewable energy. So that's another way that they are fulfilling their sustainability ambitions. Then they are using packaging to send the products back to their clients using paper-based packaging. That's again another way. They're cutting out plastic here. So there are various ways in which small businesses, and especially businesses run by millennials, are really focusing on the sustainability agenda. And I think the big corporates can learn a thing or two from them. There's this, uh, because you talked about coffee, there's a fantastic coffee brand that has come up recently on the back of this uh, Black Lives Matter movement called Black and Bold. It is a US-based coffee chain. And they're tapping into this collective action of individuals in creating more equitable and just society. So sustainability really permeates everything. It is not just about ecological sustainability. It is about creating an equitable society. It is about social impact and people impact as well. Two more questions for you, Sakanya, mm. and then we'll wrap this up. And we know you've got a, a lecture happening <laughs> yes, at 11 o'clock yeah. online, so we'll let you get to that. So we touched on agenda. Yeah. So in an organization, and I, and I guess we're talking slightly larger organizations, how does sustainability as an agenda rise up the importance level and become more of a priority? I think for larger organizations, it's easier to achieve because they have the resources. They're not constrained by manpower or money that smaller organizations are. So I will reflect on what Bournemouth University does, for example. For our BU 2025 strategic plan, we have underpinned that by our commitment to the UN Sustainable Developmental Goals. So every action or every behavior that we intend to take, we are thinking about how that is an incremental step towards resolving some of those grand challenges. And that's a very simple way of embedding sustainability in your agenda, but also about signing up to the circular economy principles. So uh, there is a business in Ferndown, I think it's called Osmond Ergonomics, and they design ergonomic furniture, of course. And they talk about the cradle-to-cradle concept mimicking the biological cycle in circular economy principles. 
And they have embedded it really well in the way their workshop is designed, in the way that their business processes are done. So it is simpler for larger organizations definitely to embed the sustainability agenda. So I challenge larger organizations when they can, when they say that it is difficult. We can highlight all the small businesses doing it. Therefore, why would the larger ones be left behind? Why are they putting profit over purpose? It's as simple as that, really. And I guess the, the smaller organizations are more flexible in general, I guess. So so if, if their, their priorities can be interchanged very, very quickly and they can become more adaptable and, can and, be. and change, can't it they? It can to, be, but to, to, to a large extent, it is about mindset. If you see the older corporates, the larger corporates, they're set in a certain way where shareholder wealth creation is really the primary focus. And until that mindset shifts, until they think about sustainability as also here, they have got to start thinking about sustainability as a competitive advantage. If they want to retain their longevity, if they want to remain um, in the business for long, because customers are changing, very soon they're going to become extinct if they don't change the way they behave. If they only focus on maximizing shareholder wealth, it's only going to take them so far. And we are seeing great examples, of course, everywhere, but there are some where the change takes a bit of time. With smaller businesses, you touched upon flexibility. Whilst that's correct, but smaller businesses also have tremendous constraint of resources. So there is a stats from UK where it says that 70% SMEs fail to embed sustainability in their business processes and behavior simply because they don't have the time or the money or the people to do that. So just finally then, Sakanya, Social Entrepreneurs Forum, something that you're involved yes. in. Do you want to just tell us all a bit more about yes, that? Yes, of course. So about a year ago in June 2019, we set up the Bournemouth University Social Entrepreneurs Forum in partnership with the Pool Bay Rotary Club and Association of Sustainability Practitioners, Dorset. And this is a collaborative, inclusive forum. We created it to provide knowledge exchange opportunities between academia and the wider socially focused business community. Because we have been seeing trends that there is a lot more increase in the number of what we call socially focused businesses in the region, but they have got particular needs and support that is not necessarily easily available. Also, there is no peer network. So social entrepreneurs identify with ethos and values that don't necessarily are the same as any profit-making small-medium enterprise. But at the same time, we are seeing there is a demand from small-medium enterprises to learn how to become more sustainable. So we have been successfully able to run a number of projects via this forum. We have engaged in a large number of student-led projects across the business school, the Faculty of Media Communication on digital marketing, business model innovation, uh, gathering market intelligence. We have engaged with the Global Enterprise Week last year and we plan to do so this year. But in addition, we are providing a space where social entrepreneurs can come and learn from each other. That as an individual, if anybody intends to become more socially sustainable, environmentally sustainable, then we can provide that space and the skills and the knowledge to do so. Universities are hotbeds of innovation, but the pace at which academia functions and the need of business community are really different. And so we're trying to build a bridge here to transfer that knowledge between academia to the business community through this forum. And we are also beginning to run 
free workshops on various aspects that socially focused businesses need to know about. So where can people go to find out more about that? Right. So we have a Facebook page called BU Social Entrepreneurs Forum, and we are in the process of designing a website with an organization called WorkCity, led by a Bournemouth University student. So very soon we will have a web presence in in addition to our Facebook group, because there is a huge number of, we have a huge number of members on our directory, and it is just validating the rationale behind creation of this forum, that there is a need for a peer learning support forum, let's say. Excellent. Well, Sakanya, thank you so much for joining us today, giving you more time. Thank you for having me. It's been a really interesting conversation from a perspective that we haven't heard yet, actually, on this subject from, a, you know, your own individual perspective, but the academic perspective. So it's been really valuable. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you're more than welcome. For those that want to hear a bit more from Sakanya, we will be doing a live Q&A um, with the rest of our guests talking around sustainability in general. Um, so once again, thank you, Sakanya. Thank you. I'll let you go now so you can do your lecture. Yes, thank you very much. Have a lovely day. Will do. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode and thanks to Sakanya. If you want to learn more about sustainability, you can listen now to three more episodes featuring John Featherby, Anna Frizzell, Nikki Webb, or skip ahead to episode five where you can hear from all of them in the Q&A. Thanks again for listening. Head over to our website and leave us a message or register to let us know how we can support your business. And please do subscribe to be the first to listen to the rest of the Dorset Growth Hub podcast.